Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 7th of August 2022. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our Seaside Rock series, this week looking at wise and foolish builders. The reading is Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 to 20. So let's go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. Good morning everyone. Good morning if you're here in person. Good morning and I know some of our families are away so they're planning to catch up on YouTube, uh, on our YouTube channel later or indeed uh, to watch this when they get back in the UK if they're abroad and in foreign climes. Good morning wherever you are and you're really welcome to be part of Minehead Baptist Church family this morning. Whether this is your first time here or you consider this home, it's lovely to have you with us. There are just a few notices for the week. Um, You will have, if you get them regularly, our summer notices. There's one notice sheet that goes across the whole of August as we give our team some rest. If you haven't had it and you want it, can you just drop us an email and we'll add you to our list. There are a few paper copies here if you're a visitor and you'd like to take one. Alec has them, so please feel free to grab one on your way out. It's also true to say that we'll have tea and coffee after the service. It's kind of that direction. You won't, you won't be able to miss it because of the smell of the coffee and the trail of people. So come and join us and have some fellowship together. We'd love to know more about you. Secondly, to say um, that our under-12s are going out with Lorraine as part of this morning. We've, as you can see looking round, a fair number of our families are missing. Anyone would think it must be the school holidays, you know? But the reality is those that are under 12, and if you're a visitor, your children as well, really welcome to join us. They're going to go and do something fun and exciting while their parents listen to me, <laughs> which will also be fun and exciting. But you get my drift, don't you? And then lastly, but not leastly, to say that um, if you uh, want to know more about baptism, uh, can you come and speak to Richard or myself? If you just want to know something, this is not you signing on the dotted line. This is us working with you. If you want to know more about baptism, can you speak to myself and Richard? Because as you will see from the notices on the summer, on Sunday, the 4th of September, we will be holding a baptismal service on the beach. We're going to save water in these times of great concern and go and baptise on the beach as a witness to our town. So if you're able to be part of that or you want to know more about baptism, please come and find us. Lastly but not leastly, leastly, just to say yesterday we had a brilliant time fishing, those of us that went fishing, didn't we? It was brilliant. And if you look on the screen behind me, subject to our wonderful technical team at the back... um, there you go. There we are. That's, that's the boat. We had a new skipper on the way back. Well, I'm Liam. That's Liam. He is actually driving the boat. It's Jay. And why did I say Liam? I'm so sorry. Because he caught, I was going to say because he caught the best fish. That's what I was going to say. Jamie, thank you for driving us there. Despite the fact that I know people were giving you lots of advice, left, right. You stuck to your guns. You listened to the skipper of the boat. And well done because you drove us home. And then to say, of there were 11 of us that went fishing, and if we flick to the next screen, all 11 of us caught fish. And you kind of go, that's brilliant, even more brilliant if I tell you that the skipper was on the, uh, his uh, radio to another one of the fishing boats, and a fishing boat literally, what, about half a mile away, guys? Something like that, hadn't caught a thing. <laughs> Which basically means, I'm telling the world... The men of Minehead Baptist Church today claim bragging rights. (laughs) But seriously, we had a great time. If you want to know more about how big these fish were, please have a look now. Because later on in this service, the size of my fish will grow from this to this. It's wonderful to come together as family, which is what we're doing this morning, and worship the Lord. And Steve's going to lead us in some worship to our amazing God. Steve, over to you. Yeah, thank you, Paul. As you see, I've been deserted today. You know, the whole of the whole of our team has gone on holiday except me. So I'm the only one that's left. <laughs> but <laughs> we're going to start with a, a brilliant hymn, uh, "Praise to the Lord the Almighty," and uh, it's got some great lines in this. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee, ponder anew. 
what the Almighty can do. And in, in, in verse 3, you know, when the elements madly around you are raging, bid of them cease, turn their fury to peace. It reminds us, as we're going to be finding out this morning, as we pull Lorraine leaders in this story of the wise and foolish builders, that when we build our lives on something solid, the person of Jesus, his teaching, who he is, his character, when we build our lives on him, we have an assurance, we have a peace, that even in the whirlwinds and the waters that surround us, there's something solid in our life. That's the invitation for us today, to worship him, who gives us that solidness, that assurance for life. Let's stand together. Please stay standing, actually, because sometimes it's good to acknowledge what God has done. And you get times in ministry when all of a sudden you think we need to respond. Do you remember last week? Well, if you were here, you will remember last week that we ended up writing people's names on fish uh, for us to be fishers of men, to go out and to be to the nation what God is to us. Well, a friend of Les's had had a bike accident, went over his handlebars down a 15 foot drop and landed on his head and by last Sunday he was in hospital and the word that was used to me was with the head kind of cracked open so Les wrote on a prayer fish last Sunday and we as a church he as an individual prayed for that person do you remember that? on Monday the doctors and nurses got the man up and he started walking again Now, that may not get you, but it gets me. And so before we go any further, let's thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give him the glory and the praise for answered prayer. Father, I want to thank you for Leslie's friend, for the way that Leslie's prayer, his faithfulness, reached out and touched the situation. Because you're a faithful God, you answer prayer. And when we pray for healing, so, Lord, you heal. The power of a prayer is amazing. And we stand this morning and declare that reality to Minehead, to this nation and to the world. And yet, Lord, thank you that we are not bereft children, but we are children of the Most High God, who longs to answer prayer and whose power is awe-inspiring. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Alezzi's friend. May he know you. Because Les has prayed, may Les be asked, who is the Lord that saved? And may he respond and become a fisher of men. In Jesus' name we pray. And yes, church, get emotional because the Lord longs for us to speak to this world with passion and say amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve. Brilliant. Remain standing. We're going to do a bit of, bit of aerobic praise now. Right? So some of you, you know, I've not sung this song. I worked it out yesterday. I've not sung this song, would you believe, in 52 years. Show my age, aren't you? Go, it's it. it goes like this. Um, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his... They do, because they're all older than me, that's why. Yeah. Right, so we've got to do the actions, all right? Come on, Billy. Okay, Okay. all right. Oh, Alex, come here. He can't help. Oh, look at this. Come on, Alex. Come on, Alex. Yes. So, it's the wise man, man, built his 
House upon the Rock. Right. And when we go to the chorus, it's the rain came down and the floods came up. And the foolish man and the wise man's house stood firm. Yep. <laughs> sand, sand is that. Sand is that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, last week we had an amazing story, didn't we, about Peter and the way he was called by Jesus and this amazing, miraculous catch. To this, this morning we're going to have a different story. I'm, I'm just making, seeing what uh, the, the score is in regards to some of the technical issues we might have. Okay, just, I mean, can we, we could have video Brian, that would be brilliant. So here's a different story, a story taken from Peter's life, which is about, well, it's about what we've just sung. Oh, oh, hello there. Hi there, shipmates, how are you? Good to see you. Are you all all right? Yes. Lovely to be down here. I wonder, do you have somewhere where you go where you can just sit and be and think about things, where you can have space and time? I wonder if you have that. For me, it's here. It's being by the seaside. It's thinking about the waves and the boats and all that's around me. It's where I take some time just to think. It also is a place where I think lots about Peter, my friend. Do you remember Peter? We spoke about him last week, didn't we? Peter told me lots of things about Jesus. He told me about the time when Jesus spoke to them in in a parable. What's a parable? I asked him. Well, Peter explained that a parable is something that Jesus uses, a story where he uses the everyday things around him to explain to the disciples, to you and to me, about who he is, about how God is. And Peter told me several of the parables of Jesus. He told me this specific one about the sand and the rock. Would you like to hear it? Jesus was talking to a crowd. Jesus liked talking to a crowd. He liked people. He liked being with them and he liked telling them all about God. Well, that's how the parable starts. Jesus was talking to a crowd and he said this. Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Hold on a minute. Built his house on a rock. I have something here that might help me show you, tell you the story of that parable. I have my own house. It is one I made. It's a beauty, isn't it? It's got windows and a door and a back door too. Oh, and a chimney stack with some chimneys on top. It's a lovely house. Jesus tells this parable. He says a wise man is like someone who builds their house upon a rock. Well, we've got a house and we've got some rock. So let's see if we can, make, if we can enact the parable out. So I'll put my house down here on the rock. A wise man, Jesus says, built his house upon a rock. What does that mean? Well, Jesus explained, the house that was on the rock withstood everything when the rains came and the flood came. Hmm, I wonder if I can make some rain. Oh, I know, I've got a watering can here. So, so let's make some rain and see what happens to our house on the rock. Not a lot really, does it? But Jesus says more than that, not just that the rains came, but that the floods came. Let's create a flood. I've got a bucket of water here. 
So let's put some of that down and see if we can wash it away in a flood. No. The house that's built on the rock, when floods come, when the rain comes, stands still. Jesus says that's like someone who listens to him, who builds their house firmly and squarely, their life firmly and squarely on God, on what he says, on who Jesus is. But the parable doesn't end there. It says a foolish man, someone who doesn't listen to Jesus, doesn't do what God says, builds their house, puts their life on the sand. And we have a pile of sand in the house here. So let's do that. Let's take my house and put it, build it on the sand. Jesus says, when the rains come, the sand begins to get washed away. Now, after a while, a lot of that sand would be washed away. And you can possibly see that happening. Just with the rains that's coming down. But more than that, Jesus says, not just when the rain comes down... But when the flood comes, the whole house gets washed away, even down to the foundations. So let's create a flood and see what happens. Whoa, did you see that? The house is upturned. My beautiful house, my wonderful chimney stack, it's all dirty and ruined and destroyed. Jesus says... That a foolish person builds their house on the sand. Can you see the parable, what Jesus meant? I hope you can. My friend Peter could. And then he told me of a time when Jesus said that he was the rock. Jesus had been asking people, who am I? And people gave various answers. But then he turned to his disciples and he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter, my friend Peter... Peter that could be impetuous, Peter that could be stroppy, Peter that sometimes smelt a fish. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, Lord. It's an amazing insight, really. And on the back of that, Jesus says, Peter, you are the rock. It was the time when Peter got his name changed. Because although I know him as Peter, originally he was called Simon. Jesus gave him a new name, Peter the Rock. He says that he didn't really understand what that meant until later on in life. And he tells many a story about Jesus on the seaside, down at the water's edge, including one that involves, well, what is the white horses and the wind whipping up the sea? It's quite calm today, but it's been calmer. And you can see that the sea is gradually building up strength. He tells a story about the sea and a fishing boat and a storm on a lake. But, oh, hold on a minute. That's another story for another day. Okay, well done. We're going to follow that through with another, another sandy song, rocky song. How many know this one? Don't build your house on the sandy land. It goes like this. of communion. I think this will be the first, quite possibly the only time I ever do it from inside a boat. But... <laughs> and we come to this table to remember Jesus, to remember that he is our rock and everything we do is built on him, our sure foundation. This is a simple meal that we, Jesus has given us, a covenant, a promise to all who love him, that as he dies on the cross, he was praying, paying the price for our sins. And giving his life for us, he was bringing us home, and one day we will be with him. It is a reminder that he has done all that is needed for you. 
and me to know and have a relationship with Father God. And this morning we come together as a family, adults and children together. In one sense we all come as children of God together to remember that all who love the Lord are welcome to share bread and wine and communion together. And for our children, we have some grapes uh, to take and eat with us, if you'd like, to share with the wine as a family. Grapes are a sign that one day we pray all our children may know Jesus personally and that they will taste the wine of the kingdom of God's. So come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come, not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come, because you love the Lord a little and want to love him more. Come, because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Shall we pray? Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open. All desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes in Corinthians of the institution of the Lord's Supper. And he writes, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Shall we give thanks for this gift we have? Loving God, we praise and thank you for your love shown to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and ministry, announcing the good news of your kingdom and demonstrating its power in the lifting of the downtrodden and the healing of the sick and the loving of the loveless. We thank you for his sacrificial death upon the cross, for the redemption of the world and you're raising him to life again as a foretaste of the glory we shall share. We give you thanks for this bread and wine, symbols of our world and signs of your transforming love. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray, that we may be renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and formed into his body. This we pray in his name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to invite those who are sharing uh, or going to distribute communion. If we have, we do. There we go. Uh, So Jesus took the bread and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in memory of me. So take the bread as you receive it and take it in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on him in your heart with thanksgiving. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, drink it in memory of me. And we'll take the cup and keep it and drink together. It's a sign of our So drink this and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful.
Father of all, we give you thanks and praise. When we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so that we and all your children shall be free. And the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we're going to say farewell to our children now. And I think Lorraine is going to be taking them out. Is that right? Lorraine? Okay. So we're going to stand one more time and sing the last verse of this hymn. When with the ransom and the glory, as our children leave, we're just going to pray for them as we go as well. Father, we bless your children here in this church today. Lord, may they have a great time as they learn more about Peter and building their lives on the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. going to come now to a time of prayer. So shall we pray? Father, we come and we thank you for this time we have to spend together. Father, we thank you for this time we get to spend together and in your presence. Father, we thank you that whatever happens, whatever is going on in the world's You are a constant, a faithful God. A God who never abandons us or leaves us. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Father, we've just remembered it through communion. Father, we want to thank you for his sacrifice for us. Father, we come and admit that so often we turn against you. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. For the forgiveness that we know you give us through your son, Jesus. Father, we're so, so sorry. Father, we pray for this, your church, Minehead Baptist Church. Father, we pray for those who call it their home, who call it their family. We pray, Lord, for those of us here, those of us watching online, those of us away on holiday or away elsewhere. Father, whatever the situation's each of us is facing. Father, we pray that you would be present in those situations. Father, that each one of us would know your presence day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Father, we pray for our baptism service coming up in a month's time. Father, we pray that as we go to the beach, it would be a sign, a public declaration of our faith and love of you. Father, the town would see us and know that we love you. Father, we pray for our country as we face a drought, Lord. Energy prices going up. Inflation, cost of living increasing. Father, we pray for solutions to be sought, to be found, to be carried out. Father, we pray for the ongoing Conservative Party leadership contest. Father, as... A new Prime Minister is chosen. Father, we pray that you would be known in that competition. 
Father, that whatever the result would be, that you would be in it. Father, we pray for our world around us. Father, we thank you that we read of grain finally leaving Ukraine. An attempt to alleviate the hunger in the developing world. Thank you, Lord, for mercies even in war. Father, we pray for the ongoing war in Ukraine and elsewhere in the world. Father, we pray for peace to break out, for love to be the guiding factor. We pray, Lord, for this, your world, that your love, that the world so desperately needs, would be known. Father, that the whole world would come to know you, come to worship you. We pray, Lord, that you would equip our brothers and sisters around the world, wherever they are, to be messengers of you. This we pray in your son's name. Amen. Friends, this morning we're going to turn in Scripture uh, to Matthew's Gospel, uh, to chapter 16, and from verses 13 to 20. That's Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, and 13 to 20. If you've got a Bible and it's got headings in, I love sometimes the headings, sometimes I don't. But this one I like, mainly because it doesn't say about Peter being the rock, but instead it says, Peter says Jesus is the Messiah. It puts the whole of the reading into the right context. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. But the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Praise be to our Lord for his word. Amen. It was seven short days ago that we stood here, that we wrote our name on a fish, that we hung the fish up, and that we committed ourselves to pray. To pray for the people whose names we have put on the fish 24 hours later, praise God for Leslie's friend and for the answer to prayer. Friends, if God can do that in 24 hours, imagine what he will do to the list of people we have put on the fish if we commit ourselves to praying for the whole year. It's not that God doesn't want to, it's that we're unwilling And in one sense, that speaks directly into the reading we had there. You are the Christ. Jesus is the one. But it also reminds me of that story that we shared with the children. 
Now, just to let you know, since the children aren't here, Lorraine and I went down and filmed that, and we thought it would be a 10-minute job. Four takes later, <laughs> one long explanation to a family that were on the beach that were like, what are you doing? Oh, well, if you really want to know... We managed to get the film in the can, even despite my tripping up. So uh, bless the children for giving me the opportunity to do that. But let's be honest, if we're in that situation, if we have a choice, do we build our house on the rock or the sand? Most people in this nation around the world will build their house on the sand. Not their literal houses, of course, not really, but their lives. By which I mean, across the globe, most people don't listen to Jesus when they think about what goes into living, or what ought to. And just in case you think, phew, got this one nailed as I'm a Christian, let me say to you, honestly, and then head for the door, the challenge is there are too many Christians that live their house, that build their house on the sand. So the truth is, we come back to my fish, or our fish, I call them mine because every day I go and look at one of the names and try and pray. That's what I'm going to try and do. But in reality, if we want to build a house on the rock, then we are committed. Now, you all had, I'm sure, a childhood that was so different to mine, it was incredible. And I'm sure none of you will be guilty of what I'm about to say. But I am going to do a straw poll. So be warned. When I was a child, my mum would tell me to do something. Let's imagine it was, could be anything. Wait here, Paul. Do not move from this spot. Do your homework. Clean your room. You, you got the reality. Is there anybody here, just put your hand in the air and we'll take your blessing. Is there anybody here that can say they always did as their mum and dad said they should do? Oh, there's a couple of them. Oh, how wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> See, that tells you something about me, really, doesn't it? It tells you that I wasn't that type of child. I have lost count the number of times my mum would say, wait for me here, and <laughs> I wouldn't be there. Or lost count the number of times that she said, you need to clear your floor because I can't see any of the carpet in your bedroom, and not done it. Now, my mum, after a while, would always come and try and find out what had gone on. Okay, she'd sort of say to me, Paul, have you started? She knew full well I hadn't. It's also true to say that she didn't ask, had I heard what she asked me to do, because she thought my hearing was bad. She knew my hearing was okay. And that frustrated tone that says, didn't you hear what I said? I can still picture hear ringing in my mind. But my mum asked that question because she knew something else. She knew that to hear was to obey. Jesus says, build your house upon a rock. And if you think of his words very clearly, he says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. See, dear Christian, the thing is, we can come to church and hear the words of Jesus time and time and time again and never do them. And that doesn't make us wise. In fact, it makes us foolish. Because the truth of the matter is we should be doing what Jesus says all the time. The reverse is also true, isn't it? Jesus says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like someone that built their house on the sand. In other words, if you don't do what I tell you, you're plunging yourself into folly. James addresses it in his letter in a slightly different way. He says in verse 22 of chapter 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. <coughs> to be honest, who's the biggest fool of all? The person who lies to themselves and believes the lie, surely. That person's really foolish. Twice over. James goes on, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That's what James writes. Blessed. 
The Bible is of one voice on this issue. Hear what Jesus says and then do what you've heard. Put it into practice and you will be blessed. I have so many stories in my life about the times I have heard what Jesus is saying to me or I thought I've heard it and then I, because I am me, have gone and done the total opposite. And guess what happens? I have learned through disaster after disaster after disaster. Only when I do what Jesus tells me to do do things seem to be blessed and work out. But either people don't believe that or they consider the blessing isn't worth the effort. That must be why, mustn't it? Because we hear Jesus says what Jesus says, but we don't do it. We're proverbial foolish people. Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone build a house on sand? Which is to ask, why would anyone build a life with an unstable foundation? See, I want to build my life upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. I don't want to build my life upon sand. I don't want to be consistently shifting about. I want to be where my Lord and Saviour is, with my feet firmly planted there. What about you? What do you want to do? Why would anyone build on the sand? Now, when you stop and think about it, the answer is not hard at all, is it? Because if you think about it logically, you can build on the sand, you can construct a life, if you want to put it this way, without much forethought. And it's just easy, isn't it? You don't have to think about what you're doing. You just have to do what feels good at the time. It's amazing, isn't it? We can build our lives around what feels good rather than what Christ says is good. And we can let so many of those things come into our lives. I've told you this example before, but it's true. You know that expression, the heart wants what the heart wants? The heart longs for what the heart longs for? Do you want to know where it comes from? It's a quote by Woody Allen. When he is asked why he has had an affair with his stepdaughter, his, his adopted stepdaughter, when she is 18 and he is in his late 50s, And his reply, after much pressuring, because no, he wouldn't reply at all at the beginning, was just to say, the heart wants what the heart wants, longs for what it longs for. How ridiculous is it that society then bases itself on that rubbish? Mr. Allen, please come to the Lord. How daft. But we do. See, the less thought we give to building our life, the less hassle, society tells us. The less planning, the less worry, the less energy, the less fatigue. And just to emphasize the point, if you look at Luke chapter 12, verse 19, in another parable, the words of the foolish man there are, eat, drink, and be merry. Building your house on sand, your life on fantasy is easy. And it may even be fun for the time being. But note those words, for the time being. A house built on stand can look just as good as a house built on rock. In fact, I guess it could look better. So if appearance is all that matters, what's the fuss? Well, the reality is appearance isn't all that matters. If all we have is to consider outward appearance, then it's all about ease and pleasure. Jesus doesn't tell you, dear Christian, that your life will be easy or necessarily pleasurable. He tells you it will be with him. And it's the with him that makes all the difference. No worries. If if life didn't have friction or problem or issue, if there was nothing to put life to the test, then it would be easy. But you see, in the parable, whether you have the house on the rock or the house on the sand, there is a problem. And the problem is that the rains came down and the winds blew and the floods came up against both houses. What does Jesus say about the house on the sand? When the storm came, it fell. And not only that, in scripture it says it fell with a great crash. In other words, there wasn't just a little bit of damage. 
The house was washed away and reduced to rubble. And I'm going to confess to something now, okay? You know I told you we took four attempts on the beach to do that little bit of filming. I was so chuffed with the way I constructed that house. Really pleased. Because, basically, the first time we tried it, where it ended up with Lorraine actually filming me upside down. That's exactly why we didn't show you that one. The reality is, is I, that house, it came apart. Brilliant. But then, as you saw in that take, it didn't. But that's true of the house on the sand. It's going to fall apart, never to be able to be put back again. Structural damage and all. Why do we not, why do people not put their house on the rock? Why so many in society want to build their house on the sand? And frankly, why do so many Christians do it too? I think it's because we recognise that in order to build our house on the rock, it's going to take effort. Real effort. So here's the truth. You've heard me say some of these things before, but you may or may not have gathered they are building up to a kind of overall church conclusion. Only if you and I come together and ground individually and collectively as church our lives firmly upon the rock of Jesus and on his truth, will the walls of this place come tumbling down, we will be able to digest spiritual solid food, and for that matter we will be able to stand against the lies and the deception and the work of the enemy. And when you and I stand, you can help me and I'll help you because we'll inspire each other. You can show me an example of how Jesus demands us to live, as well as I can help you. And if you don't think that's true, I invite everyone here to think of those amazing people that have inspired you in your Christian journey. Surely we would want to be people whose life inspires others, wouldn't we? Just as we've been inspired. Why aren't we then all crying out to do that right here, right now? Why has no one said, Paul, stop the sermon? Hallelujah, brother, your time's short, and we're going to do that here and now. Why do we not do that? Because let's face it, building the house on the rock, fashioning your life after Jesus, requires more than just thought. It requires more effort. If you want to be an intentional follower of Jesus Christ, you'll have to learn certain things, remember them, and put them into practice. Even when it's costly, or at best inconvenient. And you have to sustain that over a period of time, which brings us to the D word that no minister should ever use in church, but I'm going to. Ready? Discipline. That's what it brings us to, friends. We need to be disciplined to what our Lord Jesus Christ wants from us, to plant our feet firmly on the rock. As you know, some people here, uh, as you know, some people might not think they have it in them to be that. I'm not saying that about people here, actually. But of course, the thing about being a Christian is this you have in you the one who has it in him to make life on the rock succeed. Jesus invites you to put your feet firmly on the rock in him. It's not about what you have or who you are, it's all about him. That's how it can succeed. So what does it look like to build your house on the rock? Firstly, if you're building your house on his teachings, you're not going to give any, you're going to give not only rather attention to the exterior part of your life, but to the interior part as well. An inner life formed and shaped by Jesus. That's what I want. What about you? Standing on the rock. It's important that you do. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. It's an amazing proverb, really. Second, you not only have to cultivate and nurture your inner life, but you have to take an eternal perspective on things. Most people in the world see things from a temporal point of view. The more money I have in this world, the more you get the drift. But life on the rock means keeping in mind there's more to life than this life. And living it. Thirdly, 
You need to reorder your priorities. Steve taught us a couple of children's songs earlier. And I'm going to sort of mention one. I would love you, if you know this, to remind me what it is. But many of you will know this children's song. It's an old children's song. And it's about joy. J-O-Y. And that is Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. If we're teaching our children that, why don't we live like that? There's a challenge, isn't it? Fourth, you've got to give God time each and every day. If you leave God out of your day, you're not building on the rock. Every day. You may think that the little construction project you've got is secure, but the storms come, the winds blow, and you're lost. There will be trials. Jesus said the rock, sorry, the winds blow against both of those houses. The waves come. The skies and the rain fall, but the house on the rock stands firm. And if this morning you don't know Jesus, I want to say, I hope and pray that's good enough reason to follow our Lord. And if it isn't, I don't know what is. But good as it is, I know another reason. Well, there are three really, but you get my drift. In the end, a life lived for Jesus is more rewarding than any other life you could ever live. Absolutely true. I mean that literally. No one in heaven is going, to score, is going to care about your golf handicap. Or how much money you've got in the bank. Or what car you drove. Or where you lived. No one's going to care about that. Heaven has more to do with the time we spend in prayer. The kingdom work we do. The sacrifices we make for Jesus. The love we give, the kindness we show, the souls we point towards our Lord and say, there he is. Besides all that, isn't it true to say, dear Christian, that living for Jesus is what you were created for? Or rather, giving glory to God is. The chief end of man is to glorify God. That's what you were made for. Friends, I'd love for everyone here to know the Lord, live their life absolutely in worshipping and glorifying God and put their feet on the rock. And I'd long for you to do it for two reasons. Firstly, for your sake. Whether you're from this church or from another church, no matter what. Visiting my net here for the first time, come seeking in this church because quite frankly the world needs people whose feet are firmly grounded in Jesus we prayed earlier on Steve brought that insight into some of the problems in the world and my heart says where are the Christians crying out Lord your way where's the voice of your people We need to ground ourselves, to plant our feet firmly on the rock of ages. And because when you and I together plant our feet together on the rock of ages, you and I become living stones. Lord, for a church of living stones, grounded, firm and sure. Now, I grew up in a boys' brigade company, in a church. Uh, we had a boys' brigade company. I say that from the age of 16, but you get my drift, don't you? And I have heard so many times, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep. I can't get that that far now. In the, I've heard that so many times. That starts, we have an anchor. Friends, this morning, I pray that we would ground our feet firmly on the rock, hard, stand, and hold on to the anchor that is Jesus Christ. If you and I do that, then mine head will not have a choice but to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
because you and I will be living stones. So my question this morning for you, before I tell you about those bits of paper, is are you prepared to be a living stone for the Lord? Are you not just prepared to hear what Jesus says, but to do what he says? Amen. Friends, let's just spend a moment in prayer. Father God, I thank you that in your Son we have the rock. Jesus, the foundation, the cornerstone, the one that brings not just things together, but on whom we stand. And I thank you. I thank you that our sure foundation is in him. And Lord, this morning I pray that we would respond to what you have been saying to us by standing firm on the rock that is Jesus Christ. And in doing so, Lord, you would be honoured and glorified. That standing together we would be church. That the walls would come down. That we would, Lord, be able to eat that spiritual solid food. That, Lord, you would just be glorified and honoured and praised. I pray, Lord, that that would be a reality of our life. That we would be able to know the lies and the work of the enemy. And so in the quiet this morning, just for a few seconds of space, I invite you in your heart, in your spirit, to commit yourself once again to standing for the Lord. Father God, I stand for you. And for you, if the Lord has told you to respond and literally physically stand, please do so. Join me in standing. And just let the Lord have the glory, the honour and the praise that's due. Respond to your Lord how he requests you to respond this morning. And to you, Lord, be all honour, power, glory, might, majesty, our rock, our foundation. We come in the name of the one that is the rock of all. In Jesus' name we come. Amen. Bless you, friends. Now, last week we committed ourselves to be fishers of men. We put the names over there. Lorraine says, I can't use this joke, but I'm going to because she can't stop me. Um, The reality is, of course, we've not talked about the elephant in the room, or rather the lighthouse in the room. I know it wasn't a very good joke first time round. But the reality is, this morning, as you can see behind me, we have this amazing lighthouse. Now, at the base of the lighthouse is a rock. And you come up close later on, if you want to see this, you'll see this. And the rock stands for Jesus. And at the base of the lighthouse itself is an area of bricks. It represents those saints that have gone before us, who we remember as men and women of faith in this place, or if you're a visitor in the church family you call home. Those people we acknowledge that have had a great deal of influence on our life. And if you'd like to remember someone who's been a rock in your life, been a saint here, who brought you to know the Lord... Someone that you say, I want to thank you, Lord, for that person. Then can you do me a favour? Can you write their name on the orange brick you have? If you do that, then as part of the worship in a while, Lorraine will put them on the lighthouse. There's a few pens here, Richard. Could you, um, if you need a pen, we've got a pen. On both sides, actually. Um, We're going to thank God for those people who've been the bricks of church because the truth is this church isn't built on anything that I alone we alone do it's built on God first and foremost on Jesus Christ and then on those that have gone before us those saints friends but more than that the reason you've got two bricks this morning 
More than that, we once again today commit ourselves to building here on the rock that is Jesus. And this morning, if you want to respond to the Lord and simply say, I have for the first time, or I will put my feet on the rock and will stand in my brothers and sisters in Christ, either here at NBC or within the community, the worshipping community, the Lord has placed you in. Then on your red or your white piece of paper, you just need to write your name. Your commitment to stand. And we'll put your name on the lighthouse. At the top of the lighthouse, it says NBC, but actually, please feel free to to imagine this is your church. If uh, you want us to pray for your church, we'll put the, the, the name of the church there and we will. At the very top is a light. And if you look over in the corner at what is the newest piece of visual worship in the church, you'll see that the lighthouse has lights that shine out. Because on the rock of Jesus, the church of Jesus stands and the glory of God shines. And hallelujah. As Steve leads us in worship, I'm going to invite you to write those names. Steve. going to um, introduce at Rock of Ages Cleft for me. Um, we're going to take the morning offerings, by the way. Yes, thank you. Uh, our, our today's offering to the Lord is going to be taken in this next song. If you're visiting, please pass it by. Um, or if you give by standing order, don't be embarrassed. Uh, but this is just an opportunity to worship God with our money if we, if we wish to do that. For his honour and for the upkeep and running of this church, of course. We're going to sing a modern version of Rock of Ages Clef for Me. Uh, it's the same verses, but a different chorus. I'm sure you'll recognize it. It goes like this. Please be seated, friends. Um, now, Lorraine, I know you've been doing stuff, if I can call it stuff. What stuff have you been doing? Um, and incidentally, is there a lollipop at the back? Okay. Right, if you have been out with me today, can you stand up, please? Where you are. That's right, stand up. Okay, we have learned today about the rain coming down. What did we make? Put it up. What, what, what makes rain? Your rainmakers. Jenny, we've made rainmakers. Turn them over. That's it. Excellent. And then we also learned about Jesus the rock. So can you show them your rocks? That's it. Look at those. We even learned that Dwayne Johnson is called the rock. But Jesus is stronger than Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) Okay. So we've got rainmakers and we've got rocks. Wow, what a lot of effort went into that. I think if, if we all listen carefully, we might hear the rain. So if you all hold them up for me once more and turn them all over together. Okay, we're going to try this, see if we can all hear the rain. After three, ready? One, two, three. Come, someone go and check and see if it's raining outside for me. That sounds so realistic, doesn't it? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for all your hard work and and for keeping the rain amused. Thank you so very much. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm going to be hit later. (laughs) It is amazing, isn't it, that that actually the rain came down and the floods came up, but with Jesus, a rock, you and I stand firm. Steve, over to yourself to lead us in some worship to finish with. Okay. Brian, did you find that other one? There is no anchors in our, in our database, it's not. No, okay, all right. I was going to change the last song.
or Paul's favourite, but we can't do it. It's not in the database. <laughs> okay, we're going to sing um, There is an Endless Song. Matthew writes, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you. Always to the very end of the age. May the love of God the Father and the peace of Christ the Lord and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours today and forevermore. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to myinhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.